0: to help you feel better, be more confident and get unstuck in your 30s. And today's episode is a solo talking all about why I'm a quitter and why you should become a quitter too. I'm really excited to bring this episode to you because it's something that is a little bit different from my usual format and I don't think I've ever done something like this before. I've written the notes, and I was laughing so much because I was reminiscing at some of the stories and the scenarios that I'm going to share with you today, and realizing what a ride I've been on in my career up until now. Because what I'm going to do in today's episode is talk you all through the key times, not all of the times, but the the most important times that I've quit a job in my career up until now, and how... It's led me to the business that I have now which is a life coach and the business that I run now is something that I love so much and I'm so grateful for but I do really want to share with you that it was a long winding road to get here and I think now I can look back and you'll hear when I share some of the stories with you that when I was inside these scenarios and when I was inside these stories and the the circumstances were playing out it was really hard it was really difficult to imagine a future version of me who was actually in a career that felt good and was suitable for me and i could also make money and i could be proud of myself and use all the skills and the talents that i had developed over the years so the story actually reminds me a little bit about dating you know how you need to kiss a lot of frogs before you find your prince Well, in the actual dating world, I'm still out there kissing frogs, but in the world of work, as you'll hear, I kissed many, many, many frogs before and even after I discovered coaching. And this episode, I'm going to talk you through all the frogs and all the stories. And I'm doing this because this is an introduction to a brand new course that I'm opening in a few weeks. So... I'm doing a special podcast series, and this is the first in the series of episodes that's going to be talking all about turning 30, building a career that you love. I'm going to be talking about my experiences building my career. And most excitingly, I've invited a series of guests onto the podcast who I'm going to be interviewing who have all left corporate, who have all left their nine to five jobs. And they are now currently doing something really different. And it's a big variety of people I've invited on. So I have some people who are consultants in the industry they were working in before and have become self employed, but working in the same role, in the same field. I've invited people who had complete career changes, who've gone from being, you know, working in finance and who are now life coaches and just in general I'm bringing on guests who inspire me who really listen to themselves in their career wants and didn't let fear stop them from building the career that felt right for them which is what I want for all of you listening who you aren't happy in your working life to know that is a possibility for you as well and this new podcast series is going to run until I launch the course that is going to be all about building a career and becoming self-employed or building freedom within your career and to enable you to live a working life that is completely aligned with your values, that lights you up and really allows you to have a daily life You know, wake up every single morning and feel like you're doing what you were meant to do and you're doing something that feels good for you. And the topics that I'm going to talk about on the podcast are the ones that are going to be included in the new group course. It's going to be a six-week live journey to teach you all the foundations you need to successfully run your own business. And this is for you if you're thinking about becoming self-employed or you already are and you're really ready to take your business to the next level. You wanna get new clients, you want to make more money, you wanna learn how to manage your time, you wanna learn how to schedule. And we're going to be covering a wide range of topics, including mindset, so in terms of the mindset, I'm going to be talking a lot about shifting from an employee to a CEO mindset, imposter syndrome, boundaries, confidence to market yourself, how to sell in self-worth, and many, many more skills that are going to help you to become the best CEO. And the spots will be limited and doors are going to be opening in the next couple of weeks. But whilst I'm still finalizing the details of the course to share with you, you can be the first to find out about it by joining the waitlist. So there's a link in the podcast notes. It's completely free to join the waitlist. You just sign up and send me your email. You can also do this via my Instagram page at turning30coach. Uh, and you can sign up for the waitlist and you'll receive special offers so I just thought a really really great way to kick off this new series is to talk about my own journey to becoming a full-time solopreneur and all of the twists and turns that I went through until I am where I am today where I'm working in a business and you know it's not all I don't want to say it's all roses and it's all butterflies and daisies because running your own business is really really hard but It's so meaningful and it's so fulfilling. And I do have to say that it's been one of the best things I've ever done. And all of that has been thanks to quitting. Now, before I tell you this story, I just want to give you a little bit of background and a little bit of context. Now, I know some of you know me very well from the podcast and from uh, information I've shared about myself and my journey on my email list or on my Instagram. But For some of you, it might be the first time. So I just want to give a few little disclaimers to me quitting and to the things that I'm going to talk about and share on this episode. So the first thing I want to tell you is that I grew up, and like many of you, I'm sure you also grew up, with the mindset drilled into me from a young age that I was going to pick a career, and I would do that career from after graduating university up until I retired. Now, even though that sounds so ridiculous when you say it out loud I think that's most of us who are millennials really believe that when we were in school and we were being taught it was always on that presumption that we were going to find the thing okay the one thing that was gonna be our career and our vocation now what's crazy actually is that both of my parents are still self-employed and were self-employed when I was growing up which I see now in hindsight makes so much sense why I would also want to But actually, it also had the opposite effect on me. Because when I was younger, I saw the struggle of my parents, I saw my dad who had given up when I was very young, a very successful corporate career, he was a marketing director in a very, very large company. And one of my earliest memories in my childhood is the fact that my dad had quit his job, and he'd invested money into another business and that had um, fallen through. And I was constantly aware that money wasn't there. I was really aware of the struggle. I was aware of the effect on my parents' relationship. Because obviously, even when you're very, very young, you can still pick up on the energy. And I have a lot of memories of scarcity and a lot of memories of feeling that money wasn't available or working for yourself was hard. And I think because of that, my parents who are extremely liberal and extremely supportive of whatever I do and all of my endeavors but on some level, I think they really pushed me to have a vocation or they really wanted me to have security that they had never had. And in in addition to this, many of my friends who had parents who were very financially secure, who were very wealthy, uh, they were coming from stable income because of their vocation and their professions you know had friends whose parents worked in corporate or who were doctors or who were accountants or you know pharmacists and all these different vocations that just seemed like that's what you're supposed to do and that's why in my mind it became self-employed bad and being employed as good which I think a lot of us have especially if we have We don't have many examples around us of people who are self-made or people who have gone off on their own. In the community that I grew up in, there was a lot of emphasis on becoming the lawyer, becoming the doctor, becoming the accountant. So I always just envisioned myself in a suit. And, you know, I envisioned myself as this very powerful businesswoman. And I really, really wanted to move to London when I graduated. I'm originally from Manchester. And I knew the only way I was ever going to be able to do that and provide for myself because you know my parents were amazing and they paid for so much of my education and they really really you know i have so much to thank them for but i always knew that as soon as i was finished university that was it i was out in the open world alone and you know even from the age of 21 22 that i was going to have to fend for myself so for me a lot of my decisions were based around the short term just want to move to London. I want to move out of home. I want to just make as much money as I can really, really quickly. And that is why I pursued law. And I talk about that in episode number five of the podcast, where I really talk about my journey as to why I ended up becoming a lawyer and then how I left. However, despite all of this story and starting out that I thinking that I would immediately find the one job, it actually transpired quite quickly that I understood that the search for a career that fit me and the search for this you know elusive thing that was going to uh, be my my long-term career wasn't quite as simple but one thing I did understand was that I was really 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 good at quitting so what I'm going to do is talk to you today about all the times I've ever quit I'm going to talk you through and it's chronological some things are not Going to be mentioned because if I was to tell you every job I'd quit, this podcast would probably last uh, about two hours. But I'm going to talk you through the most significant times of when I quit something and what I learned from each of them. Because quitting is something that has such a stigma around it. We've been socialized to believe that quitting is awful what's that saying you know no one loves a quitter and it's really seen as something that should be avoided at all costs and if you imagine telling your parents oh my god you have to call home and tell them you quit your job for most of us this would trigger some sort of stressful response something that you want to avoid but actually what I've learned over the years is the opposite I think quitting is incredible quitting is brave quitting is making space for something in your life that is better than the thing before it's moving something out the way it is being true to yourself and it's not giving up quitting is saying I want more I'm in self-worth obviously when it's done in the right way and when it's also thought out and it's not just been you know a very quick fix which is something I've done as you'll hear in my story I want to also point out something else A majority of the times that I quit, I didn't have a job waiting for me after. And society, or mainstream society, often says you must have something lined up after. Well, I think that's a pile of bullshit. I speak about this quite a lot. But anyway, just wanted to say there that most of the times I quit, it was very knowing that I didn't have anything after and that I was going to trust myself to work out. I won't be able to share the full details of each story. (laughs) So it might sound that each of these quittings has happened with little drama, but believe me, they didn't. They absolutely each had their own story. They all had their own contained story of nerves and being uncertain and coming to a decision and consulting with lots of different people and getting help. But for the sake of this episode, I'm going to keep each one as short, but also as informative as possible. So let's dive in. Quitting number one, my first ever official job, which was in Jake's shoe shop in Manchester, the minute I knew I could work the minute I had my national insurance number it was like I went out I think I actually even had a job before I had my national insurance number I think I was working for my uncle uh, helping pack prospectuses for his kitchen business in Manchester town centre and I think that was when I was 13 14 I remember getting the uh, metro to work I was always very independent and I always wanted to make my own money. It was something that was really important to me. So the minute, I think honestly the weekend that I got my national insurance number, which is your permission to officially work in the UK, I set out and got a job. I remember it so clearly, I think I was, it was before my 16th birthday, a few months before, and I got a job in a shoe shop. I remember going in for the interview being all dressed up, really excited, like, oh my god, I'm going to be an adult, I felt so independent, so grown up, and I got this job working in this really trendy shoe shop, and it felt like the best thing ever, I was so excited, I couldn't believe I was going to get a paycheck, an official paycheck, and I started the job, I just remember going in for those first days, being full of energy, just high on life, very soon come crashing down to realize it was one of the worst (laughs) things ever. I had really romanticized and idealized this first job. And in the shoe shop, bearing in mind, I've always been very, very small for my size. I'm very short. I had to carry up and down stairs from the storage room where the shoes were up and up to the main floor of where we were serving the customers and we're talking like every hour you would be going 10 times up and down the stairs and each person would come in, they could ask for five different shoes in two different sizes and you would each time have to go down and the storage room where the shoes are, like the stock room, was literally ladders of shoes stacked up and as much as there were ladders and you could go up the ladder... I remember that the boxes were so high and I was so small that I couldn't get anything down. And at first, I used to ask people for help, but when it was busy in the shop, that was it. You you were out on your own. All of the sellers were just completely uh, busy. And I remember having shoe boxes landing on my head, shoes falling out onto the floor. I could not reach the boxes, and then running up and down those stairs. And then you'd do it for like thirty minutes with someone, and they wouldn't even buy anything. And I remember coming home and my feet were blistered and I was like, oh my God, this is not what I thought it was. So what did I do? I quit. But what did I learn from this quitting experience? I learned that you can get really excited and romanticize a job. You can have really high expectations and it might not be everything you thought it would be. This is a lesson that I was going to relearn many times in my 20s. So let's talk about quitting number two. So I was very lucky the first year of university I'd I'd taken out a very very big student loan. (laughs) We say that's lucky but it's not lucky but I had the privilege of being able to focus on my studies for the first year and then the second year I decided that it was time to get a job because I wanted some money so I could Travel and I could. I remember my boyfriend at the time was living in Barcelona, and I wanted to be able to go and visit him and spend money on the trip. So I decided to get a few various jobs. So I was doing some promotions work in the campus at Birmingham University, and then I decided to get involved in hospitality. <laughs> and when you hear these stories, you'll realize that my journey in hospitality was not a very good one. And in hindsight, I probably should have understood from this first experience that hospitality wasn't for me. But you live and you learn. So I, it was actually when I was home for the Christmas holidays, I got a job working in Revolution Bar in Manchester City Centre during the Christmas period and New Year. And I think I probably lied my way in saying that I'd worked in a bar before, but I never had. And me and one of my close friends, we got a job together. And you know what? That month was so fun. Met loads of people, got to drink for free, working behind the bar. It was Christmas even on New Year. One of, I think it was probably one of the best New Year's I ever had. I think I was a glass collector. Anyway, in general, it was really, really fun. Six weeks of my life that I worked in the bar. And then I had to go back to university in the first weeks of January and I decided that I was going to transfer to the Birmingham branch. So it's on New Street which is one of the main roads in Birmingham and that I was going to work there. Now I don't really remember the first shift but I remember being a bit uncertain about it and coming back and saying oh I'm not sure if I want to work here but still thinking no I really want the money. So I go in for I think what was my second shift and I'm working and it's like gets to like one in the morning and it's, you know, a long, long shift. I've been working since 7 p.m. And they had this rule that if people were too drunk, you weren't allowed to serve them. And it was really hard because everyone was always drunk in a bar, especially very late at night. But you really had to make sure that you didn't over, you know, plow somebody with lots of alcohol when they couldn't stand up. And I just remember that that shift feeling really threatened. There were like a very rowdy group of men in there and feeling like they just kept ordering like shots and drinks and drinks and drinks. And it it was very stressful. At the end of the night, a guy comes to the bar and he says to me, please can I have a, I think it was at the time they used to do all the different flavor shots. I'm not sure if they still have it. In in Revolution, that's what it was known for. It was a shot bar. And he he ordered a Terry's chocolate orange shot or something really like strong flavor. And I remember saying to him, are you okay? You look, you know, you look a bit worse for a well. while. And he's like, no, give it to me, give it to me. So I'm, you know, how old was I at the time? 20, 1920. And I served him this shot and he did it. And he vomited the shot back up over the bar, like basically like onto me. It didn't go on me because I walked off as he did it. And I just remember that was a point in my head, and I'm really sorry for anyone if you're eating while listening to this. I probably should have done a, a trigger warning, but it was honestly one of the worst moments of my career, <laughs> definitely at that point, but also now. And I, i really have a bit of an aversion to people throwing up, and I went and I ran off, and I went and the manager, and I told the manager, and she gave me a bucket and a and a cloth, and said. You must go and clean it up and I said absolutely not no way no way I am not cleaning this up and I walked out and that was like the boldest thing I've ever done up until that point in my life and it was such a big deal I remember being terrified and my heart was racing and I just said take me off the shifts for the rest of the week I'm not cleaning this up I'm out of here looking back that was probably one of my boldest bravest career moves And when I think about what I learned from it, I think I learned that my absolute limit is cleaning up vomit. And I also learned that I have strong boundaries and that it's okay to have strong boundaries. And I was obviously in a fortunate position that this was my student job and nothing was going to happen if I quit it. But it really felt like the first time in my life I actually stood up for myself. Quitting number three. So... (laughs) the first few stories by the way are more comical than they are actually serious lessons I just want to point out but this one was again in the world of hospitality my exploration of working in this field continued and I'm now finished university I've now moved to London I'm going to the College of Law which I think now is called the University of Law which is where I did my uh, law conversion and my LPC course which is the course you do afterwards and I needed to get a job as we all know living in London is very expensive and I needed to find some extra cash so I through a friend from law school decided to start working in a bar which was in the corporate area of London I've really forgotten the name of it I've been out of London for too long but I went to law school in Moorgate and it was not far from there and it was where the Lloyds insurance building was. And the bar was next to it, and it was full of white old men who were very opinionated and very chauvinist. It made me laugh. I used to listen to them talking about which Land Rovers they were going to buy, which stocks they were investing in, all these men. And then one day, the managers, this had been when I'd probably been probably been working for about 10 days, potentially two weeks. The managers, in the middle of the day, turned around to me and they said, Emma, we're going to have a manager's meeting. So all of us are going to go in here. You need to man the bar. Now, at this point, I was still training. I'm obviously very bad at manning bars. And I just said, OK, fine. You know, what, what can you say? No, no, you can't. You know, you've got to say yes. What ensued after this was an hour of absolute hell. The first thing that happened was loads of people came in all at the same time. It was like a lunchtime rush of people. So all of a sudden I've got people waiting at the bar and tables that I needed to serve. So I was the waitress and the bar, the bar staff. And I started to get very, very stressed. It was very anxiety inducing. And there was uh, two men who'd ordered uh, one glass of red wine and one glass of white wine. And because it was quite an up market place, it was, it was very like a an expensive place you had to carry everything around on a tray and hold things in a very certain way and I hadn't really got the hang of it yet I've still not and I remember going over to these two men who were in the middle of a business meeting with the two glasses of wine and I literally just poured it was literally like I threw the tray on them and on one of them I poured a whole glass of red wine all over his suit and it did not go down well as you can imagine in the middle of the day, he's in the middle of a business meeting and he's now covered in red wine and therefore I had to foot the dry cleaning bill which is probably more than I'd earn in three shifts. I was gutted, I was devastated and I was running around and I was trying to clean it up and people were getting mad at me and I didn't even have time to go next door to the manager's meeting to ask for help which obviously in hindsight would be the thing to do and the worst part was is that you also were in charge of the dishwasher behind the bar and you had to every cycle change the bucket otherwise it flooded and I had forgotten to do it within all the chaos and then the whole bar flooded. We're talking like loads of water all over the floor. It was at that point that I realized that I was not cut out for this job and I was not cut out for the hospitality industry. Having said that, I did actually when I first moved to Tel Aviv, get a job in a bar was really, really awful. And also ended up (laughs) quitting because you know, you've got to keep going back and trying. But the point is, is that sometimes things aren't a good fit for you. And it was absolutely not a good fit. Now, one thing that I do want to say is that I was really upset with myself. I remember telling somebody the story and they explained to me that the managers had left me alone on my 10th day of work to run a whole bar in rush hour and it was shocking that they'd let that and all of the uh, weight had fallen on me. So what I learned from this quitting is apart from the fact that I'm really bad at holding trays and I really don't want to work in an environment of old white men in corporate London... I also learned that management don't always make the right decisions and that management won't always take responsibility for their employees. And that is something that many of us who, when we're employees, we romanticize and we put on a pedestal our managers and we think that the managers always know what they're doing or we think that the managers are always right. And I think that's a very young mentality. And when I was that age, I just presumed that they knew better than me. And the truth is that management can mess up. So that was a really important lesson that definitely, definitely uh, came out in many other stages of my career. So as you can hear, we're 30 minutes into the podcast and I'm not even up to the part where I started to really think about what I wanted to do for my career for the rest of my life uh, in uh, quotation marks because that's what I thought was going to happen. And I was already learning so many important lessons and already really practicing this very important skill of walking away and being able to quit. Now I want to do a very very small little reference here to a job that I did have in between my psychology degree and my law conversion course my law degree because I did work for a year for a charity that I was really involved in and I absolutely loved it and it was a really hard job it was a tough job but And I was a field worker and I was working many, many long hours When it was a cause that I really cared about. And I have to say, this is one of the only jobs up until now that I really didn't quit. or didn't have to think about quitting. It was only for a year or potentially two if I would have chosen it, but I already had my place at law school. So I just wanted to Put a little side note there just to remind you all and maybe I'm being defensive that quitting wasn't what I did in every single occasion and there are lots of jobs during my journey that came to a natural end or you know I was let go for some reason or something didn't work out so I just want to make it clear that I didn't have this tendency to quit everything. But having said that I'm still going to continue my quitting stories so let's move on now to quitting number four. I think it's number four. I'm just floating with it. This is now Emma finishing law school, coming out and being a lawyer, my first big girl job. And I could do a whole podcast on becoming a lawyer and talking about all the stories and the experiences that I had in this job. I'm going to keep it really, really short and say, Whilst I loved law school, and there were parts of being a lawyer that I did like and appreciate, I knew almost from the very first day of my two-year training contract that this wasn't going to be my lifetime career. And a lot of people always ask, oh my god, was that disappointing to you? Was that really awful? You studied for so many years, and you invested so much time and money and energy and all of the things. And the truth is, looking back, no. No. I'm so glad I did it. I learned so many lessons from my time as a lawyer, so many important things that I use today in my uh, career that I help clients with, and it was just such a huge learning curve. But quitting that job as a lawyer, and I'm not even going to necessarily call it quitting, it was a situation where training contract was coming to an end and then you basically go through a process of applying to become an associate lawyer in one of the departments that you've sat in that you've worked in uh, during the two years and it wasn't really a question that people asked it was never are you going to carry on it was always which seat do you want to qualify into it's not an option and the they call them in the law world, well, the retention rates from the training contracts to the uh, associate level were very, very, very high. The percentages of, of people dropping out were small and they usually were because they didn't want them to carry on, you know, that they couldn't find a position in the company. It was extremely rare that it was because somebody turned it down and I had to deal and battle with myself during this time of dealing with what other people thought And I think this is the quitting story that was the biggest life lesson of letting go of perception because I was certain, I was sure that I'd already decided at the time I had a boyfriend who was living in Tel Aviv and we'd been doing long distance for almost the whole of my training contract and I was counting down the days to move to be with him and I knew for sure that in London, the law world was not for me, but It was unheard of and, wow, it was, you know, a very, very, very hard but important process of learning to let go. And I remember I very uh, luckily had got a secondment working at Heathrow Airport uh, in their legal team. And I did that for the last six months of my training contract, which was interesting because whilst there were a lot of, you know, internal politics between the trainees and between everything in the law firm during that time, during the qualification time, whilst all of me and my other, I think there were about 25 of us, my other uh, trainee colleagues were contemplating which seat to interview for, and they were going through the process. I was away from everyone else working basically for a different company. And that was great. I absolutely loved my time at Heathrow, I have to say, if I wouldn't have moved country, and if I did ever uh, go back to law, decide to if I would have decided to be a lawyer, I'd really enjoyed my time there. I had an amazing manager and I really enjoyed the work a lot more than I enjoyed the private practice. But anyway, that's not the point. The point is is that I had luckily managed to exit myself from the situation, but there still had to come a point where the trainee, the training manager was messaging me and emailing me and calling me saying Emma we need your seat selections we need to understand who you're interviewing for and let the partners know and I was just absolutely shitting it and I remember I was shaking I was so nervous I made a huge deal about it and I remember that phone call clear as day I remember where I was outside Heathrow airport in the office that I was working in the Compass Centre, if anybody knows Heathrow Airport. And there were planes taking off over my head. And I was shaking and shaking. I'm pretty sure I was smoking a cigarette. And I was, like, freaking out. Like, oh, my God, what's she going to say? And you know what? She didn't really say very much. She said, good luck to you. Thank you for telling me. And I was, and had a, had a bit of an interesting relationship with this specific uh, training manager who had bumped heads a few times during the contract, mainly because I hadn't really cared that much what anybody how how I uh, had come across so much when I'd selected my seats because everyone else was being strategic and I was very much like going for what I enjoyed and what I was interested in because I'd already decided that I wasn't sure where I was going to I, I knew I was not going to end up basically working at the law firm anyway I'm rambling now the biggest lessons I learned from this and this is my I honestly think this is my biggest quitting lesson was that nobody gives a shit, and you're allowed to choose your own path. I spent honestly weeks agonizing, not over the decision, but over the having to announce the decision. And at the end of the day, most of the time when you quit, people are human beings, and they also have thoughts about quitting, or maybe they've quit a job in the past, they can resonate, they can support. And if they don't, it doesn't matter. And those lessons about just being true to myself, and really picking something that was right for me, and I can say in hindsight, that was an amazing part of my journey, and I'm really proud that at the age of 27, I went through that. So then the story continues, and I started my life in Tel Aviv, my quitting number six is something that, maybe it's number five, sorry, it's something that I'm not so proud of because I actually did get a job in another law firm there and I thought to myself I might as well try it and I was really lucky through some contacts and some connections I managed to bag an amazing job at a law firm that was really focused on the London market, I got a great salary, I I really walked into that interview very confident and came out with a great job and they were so lovely and they said to me they can be in all of my own terms and I delayed them and delayed them because I wanted time to go to language school and time to integrate, time to just enjoy um, some time off after moving country and being in the law firm for two years I was really ready to just have a little relax and I eventually did start there and after only I think it was about six weeks I left and that was my official exit from law and they were really lovely about it. Actually, I have to say, the partners in that law firm were just, they're really special people. They were super supportive and they totally got me. And the biggest lesson I learned from this, which is something that I think many others don't do when we have new jobs, we think we should just carry on and carry on and carry on. And we kind of push it back because we're avoiding it. And what I learned from it is that it's better to let people down earlier rather than later sooner that you can tell somebody who's about to invest money in you and who's about to really invest time training you and integrating you as part of the team it's better to let them know at the start if you're not invested and that was a huge lesson for me and I'm really happy that I did it and the world didn't crumble even though I was nervous that it would Quitting number six. So now we come to the point in my career where I started again. Now, again, I'm pointing out I had lots of other jobs this whole year after I quit the law firm. I went on a bit of a, a rampage of working again in hospitality. Lots of funny stories about that. I'm not going to go into them now. And I also worked for some other companies doing some part time shift work. And I was just enjoying life. I was just enjoying not having a career and really thinking okay I'm just gonna enjoy this first year in my new city and make friends and enjoy and then I ran out of money as happens all the time and then I got a job in something that was really interesting to me so I started working for a company that was doing medical conferences and I was the the I I ended up being the head of their sponsorship and sales department but I started off in an entry-level role and it was to go to the conferences and to run the exhibitions and to organize the relationship between the company, the company's sponsoring, so that's the medical, the pharma companies, and the uh, conference itself, which was our client, was the company's client, and I worked there for almost three years, I traveled all over the world, it was such a fun time, I made such amazing friends, I had great experiences there were a lot of things that were not great about this job there were a lot of things that I'm not going to go into here and it is a story for another time but there were things about the company itself that weren't uh, very in line with my personal morals and values but for the age that I was and where I was at that point in my life in my career it was wonderful I learned so many amazing, amazing skills and I ended up uh, managing the whole department. I was literally at one point reporting to the CEO and I had loads of responsibility and sometimes it was scary and sometimes it was awful and stressful and most of the time it was just a huge learning curve. And I worked there for almost three years and when I came to and had my turning 30 moment, which was when I really said, okay, I'm actually in a job where I know for sure that I'm not going to do this job for more than a couple more years. So it felt dead end that that was when I really started to explore and I got a career coach and I decided that I wanted to pick something that was a true passion of mine and something that I genuinely wanted to do. And wanted to be excited to get out of bed for in the morning and when I made that decision I really looked at my role models in work so I looked at the people who were there who were ahead of me and looked at their lives and said do I want to be like them when I grow up and looked at the career progression and I decided no and I quit that job I was very, very close with the CEO of the company there. Um, she was incredible, and we travelled together. We were very uh, had a we had a close relationship. And I remember quitting that one, holding onto my chair in my office, being like, "No, I don't want to tell her. I'm going to let her down. I'm going to let everybody down." And I didn't have a plan, and I didn't know what I was going to do. But I just knew my time had come to an end. There, my biggest lesson from that quitting was. If you're stuck in a job where you don't see career progression and you don't look to the people who are above you and see that you want to be like them, then it's absolutely fine to leave. That that's a good enough reason to quit if you know that it's not serving you. And also that you can let people down and not really let them down because that was another lesson where I had really served my time there, like I knew my time had come to a close, and I'd known that for a while, and for months I was putting it off, because I was really upset about leaving the company, and leaving them in the lurch, but again it was the same lesson that I learned the last time, is that people will support you, and people will, would rather have people there that do want to stay, and do have long-term career progression, So all of these were such important lessons for me. Now, my next quitting is a funny one. Actually, I don't know how funny it was at the time, but at this point, I'd left this company and I was applying to do a master's in psychology. So I thought that the best Way that I could get some experience was to go and work for a psychologist. And I'd come across on Facebook an organizational psychologist and I'd messaged her and reached out and we met for a coffee, which had turned into an interview. And I was hired as her assistant. And she was absolutely off the rails when it came to how she managed me as her assistant. And I'm not going to go into all the details. All I'm going to say is, after only two weeks, I realized that I was literally being treated like I was some sort of servant. And I had just quit this job. I was so excited. I thought I'd manifested this amazing psychology related job. And I was just like, oh my God, what is happening? And ended up very, very, very quickly realizing I have to get out of it. And I won't tell all the stories but I'll tell you the moment that I decided that I can't do it was that she was quite a well-known figure in the psychology scene in Tel Aviv and there was a panel talk at a company and hundreds of people were there and she was on the panel and she told me to meet her there in the morning because we would go through the notes of the presentation so I got there really early it was around 8am were already people coming in it was like a pre-work uh Lecture and she called me and said to me, Oh, uh, I'm actually not well, which is fine, happens, but do you mind telling the organizers? Do you mind telling them? And I said, Actually, I do mind. I feel like you should tell them. And then she just said, I'm really sorry, I don't feel well enough. Please let them know I'm not coming. I had then had to go over to the event organizers and tell them that one of their main panelists out of three wasn't showing up and then they were like okay so you're going to fill in and I was like obviously I can't fill in I'm not a a trained organizational psychologist yet and it was just one of those moments where I wanted the ground to swallow me and it was at that moment that I realized that not everybody has the same professional standards and to work with somebody who didn't have this basic functioning to me was just not a possibility When I quit this one, I went into the office and it didn't really feel like quitting. I just went in and explained that it wasn't aligned with what I was looking for right now and that she should find somebody who was uh, better suitable. And she said a line to me. And that line that she said was, and she said it in a very facetious, bitchy way, but it was a line that really stuck with me. And she said to me, Emma, I have no idea what you're looking for, but I really hope for your sake that you find it. And it really stung because it made me think, do I know what I'm looking for? Do I really not know? And afterwards, I analyzed it and evaluated and realized that it was just her way of the of feeling that uh, disappointment towards having hired me and it not working out. And she was uh, telling me, telling that to me. However, I just sat with myself and I said, I also really want to know what I'm looking for. And I also know I'm really going to find it. So I'll always be grateful for that time that I quit. To know that that's really what put this fire inside me. To go and discover what I really wanted. Now I have two more times that I've quit. And both of these were jobs that I took. After I did my coaching qualifications. I then, after the situation with a psychologist. I decided to pursue life coaching and I studied two courses and spent the whole of that year trying to get my coaching business off the ground. And it's not a secret, I talk about it all the time, that the first time I tried to get my coaching business full time, it failed miserably. I just did not get it off the ground. And I'm not going to go into what happened there, but I ended up at the end of 2018 having to make a decision. I'd run out of money and invested everything into the life coaching courses and living for that year and I needed to decide to go and get a part-time job or to go back into the working world full-time and at that point I was so low about not having money and I was in this story in my mind and I was really at the start of my coaching journey of of becoming a coach I decided that the best thing for me was to go and get a job working full-time And it's exactly what I did. And I was very lucky. I got a job in an amazing company, a tech company, in events, working at conferences, which was obviously like my very expert skill that I had over those three years working in sales for events. It was a skill that sometimes when companies put out uh, a job uh, search for this person, it's very, very specific. And there aren't that many people And I had this skill and I really utilized it and leveraged it. And even though I knew it wasn't really what I wanted to do, I quickly realized that it was something that I could use as a platform to earn good money so I could start saving back up again to then go and pursue coaching again. And I never dwindled from the idea that it was coaching. And Unfortunately this was another example of a job that looked really shiny from the outside but then on the on- on the inside was very difficult and it involved travel to the US once a month and it's really far from Tel Aviv to the US and I'm not the best flyer and it was overnight and there was jet lag and the company didn't want to pay for hotels unless we'd arrived uh, the night before so if you were arriving three, four, five in the morning you had to go straight to the office and some people are cut out for that my nervous system wasn't. And I realized almost immediately after the first three months of the three flights, that my body wasn't going to take it. And I have to say, and I this is what I wrote a blog post about on my website that has got the most views ever from anything I've written on my website was what do you do when you first start a job, and then you realize you don't like it. And I think that there's lots of things that you can do. But for me, the option was to just find something better suited and to not put my mental health at risk. And quitting that job was, again, a tough one because they begged me to stay. They were really devastated that it hadn't worked out. And and actually, I was as well. But I really decided that it was at this point that I'm such an advocate to say, you don't have to wait for your mental health to suffer. And to be that depleted in order to quit a job. And my mental health at that point was really just so bad. I was so anxious about the flights. And I was so nervous about letting people down and not being well and not feeling well physically. And then that affected my mental health. That, that quitting taught me that mental health is actually sometimes more important than your career. And I'm such an advocate for that when people talk to me about it now. And now we're finally on the last time that I quit my job. And that was two years ago in June 2020, where I had just been promoted. I was sales manager of a company that I really, really, really loved. I was so into the product. I really liked the founders. I loved the employees and my colleagues. I loved the culture there. And I was happy there. But coaching was still my passion and it had been my passion since I discovered it back in 2017 and the company that I was working for, so this was the company that I left to after the um, flying job, I went to this company and it was really, uh, it was a tough year because it was just as COVID hit and it was just when the first lockdown was finishing and it was June two thousand and twenty. And I just broke up with my ex and we've been together for those few years before. And the week that I broke up with him, I went in to discuss with my manager who was the sales director of what was going to happen to the teams because everything was being broken down. And he mentioned to me that I should do something which I think now is termed quiet quitting. But he turned to me and said, Emma, I think we don't actually have a place for you in the sales team right now. The investors from the startup had cut back all the sales, but why don't you lay low for a few months? And if you lay low, then we'll have something for you in the few months, which I knew wasn't certain because we obviously had no idea how long COVID was going to go on for. And in hindsight, thank God I decided not to lay low. But I sat with myself when he said it to me and I thought, I'm not a person who lays low. I'm not a person who just goes with the flow and no disrespect to anybody who does but it's not my nature and I knew that my coaching was about to take off I felt it inside it was like a gut feeling it was an intuition that I needed to go and be a coach and help people especially at this difficult time and right then and there we agreed together actually it wasn't like I quit and I didn't, I also don't call it that I got fired. We just agreed that it was the right thing for me to leave. And I asked if he could, um, let me go. And it was so mutual and it was so lovely the way that we ended it. And my biggest lesson of this one was learning that, you know, you can sometimes quit and it can be bittersweet. And it can feel like the most empowering thing in the world. And it can also feel really sad to leave people behind that you really love. And they were so incredible, this company, they were so supportive. I remember they'd sent me ice cream when I was going through the breakup, and then they made me a presentation and they let me have a month garden leave. And I just learned overall that, you know, you've got to just listen to yourself. And that's what I learned from this whole story. This you know, isn't even all the jobs that I've had, these are just the ones that really stuck in my mind and for those of you who have been in one or two jobs most of your life, my story probably seems really absurd to you but I know so many of you will relate and I know so many of you will just be on this constant search trying to find something new and maybe giving up and maybe thinking that there's not going to be something out there for you and I know there were so many times that I questioned if I would ever, ever find a job that fit me And there were so many times that I questioned this path and I tied lots of limiting beliefs to this narrative. I was never going to find something. There was something wrong with me or I never fit into working for other people. But the truth is that I needed to go through all of these things. I needed to quit everything that I had done up until the point that I discovered coaching and started my own business for me to understand and learn what it is to keep going, to understand and learn how to trust, how to trust that there's a better career out there waiting for me. Not only that, to learn all these great skills, like when I'm running my business now and I'm all the moving, different moving parts of my business, I'm so grateful that I know how to read a contract. I'm so grateful that I have such good attention to detail that I learned on my training contract as a lawyer. I'm so happy that I'm good at and enjoy sales from my five years of working in a sales role. In the, in the conference company and also at the startups. I'm so happy that I planned events so I can plan my own events and know what to do. I've had a wealth of client experience, which means that I know when I'm running my things and I have different stakeholders and different people I'm working with, not to mention my own clients, that I'm so good at providing the experience that I provide for my clients because it's something that I've learned how to do from all my different jobs. But most of all, I've learned resilience. And I've learned that you don't have to do what society says. Society tells you that you must have a job lined up and you can't quit a job without a job there. Well, sorry, did that many, many, many times and I always landed on my feet after. Society teaches you that you have to stay in a job for at least a year. I quit many jobs after a few months when I just knew it wasn't right. And my path has taught me just to listen to myself. A lot of people ask me what intuition is and intuition is a muscle that needs to be flexed and at the start I don't think I really understood what intuition was in my career but now I know what it is and I know what it means to feel aligned and this is what I help clients with and I also realize now looking back on my journey of quitting so many different things is that I was never meant to be employed by somebody else. I was destined to work for myself. And it took me a really long time to get there. And even when I did get there, I still didn't know if it was right. And I still went back into the working world because I needed to. And it was very rightly so. Sometimes we have to understand that there are bills to pay. You know, this whole time I was supporting myself. I didn't get any support from anybody else apart from a very small loan I took from a friend at some point when I'd run out of money. But I didn't have anybody supporting me. I did all of this alone. I'm self-made. I don't come from a background where I can just do what I want willy-nilly. But there was something in me, a fire burning and a trust and a choice to believe that meant that I knew in the end it would work out. And I really want that for any of you who are stuck in a job and you think that you don't deserve more. I'm here to tell you that you do. And I am a proud quitter and I hope that you will be too. Now the one thing which changed my journey was coaching and not just because I became a life coach. I don't mean that. I mean the idea that I was brave enough to reach out for help and reach out for support. That I had someone rooting for me, holding space for me, holding me accountable and yes, I invested in those coaches even at times when I didn't have enough money to do it but I couldn't have made those choices without them and I'm specifically talking about the last five years that I've made so many big life decisions, and I know that I couldn't have done that without support and learning and really doing the coaching things that I teach all of you to do journaling, processing my emotions, becoming into self awareness, reaching out to other people who are going through the same thing. And that's exactly why I do what I do now. I do currently have premium one on one coaching spots open to start September or October. There's one left in September, and then there will probably be another one or two for October. So if you're feeling like you need support on your career journey, please reach out to me. And if you're ready to enjoy a life of freedom and be self-employed and create financial and time independence in your career, then sign up to the waitlist. It's in the show notes. It will be on my Instagram. And I cannot wait to see you inside my group course where we're going to teach you everything you need to know to build a business that feels right for you. Thank you so much for tuning in and I will see you on the podcast next week.